You're listening to a North Valley Community Church podcast. For more information and resources, visit us online at northvalleychurch.org. It's good to worship together. It's good to worship together. It's refreshing for the soul. I hope that you enjoy it each week as I do. Uh, The team's doing a great job. Before we get going this morning, I want to give you an update on our campus development. We're preparing for uh, grand opening uh, September 10th. That'll be the kickoff of a grand opening season. And uh, so this morning, you see we've got some cameras in the room. We're trying to capture that welcome video uh, for our website just to say hello to the community and let them know. A lot of times people take their first step is not on a Sunday morning. It's on the website. And so we want to capture the heart and the people of North Valley. So um, that's going to be happening this morning. I wanted to give you a campus uh, update, though. Uh, A few weeks ago, I asked you um, if you would prayerfully consider being a part of helping develop the campus. And I talked to you about that giving envelope. It's right in front of you in your chair. You can pull that out. And I want to walk through those categories just for a moment. Really important uh, for us to understand how the giving works at North Valley. There's a general fund, a mercy fund, a hope offering, and a campus development. General means general. It just helps cover the bills, helps us keep our staff, helps us keep our teams and our ministries running and functioning. Generally, June, July, and August is lower giving in the general category. Um, So I want to encourage you to be faithful in that category. The mercy is an opportunity uh, for benevolence and helping with people in our church that have immediate needs. And just in a few minutes, I'm going to invite up uh, uh, Bill Yarger. We've appointed him team leader. And they've got an entire team in one of those categories to oversee and shepherd and minister in our church is the area of uh, mercy and benevolence. And so those teams will handle those funds and be able to uh, meet real needs. But if you've got a heart for some of these categories, give towards those things. Try to remember the church family is the general stuff. Make sure that you're faithful in that. But the mercy is incredibly important. Um, the hope offering is our local and global mission initiatives. So last week, I, I, I highlighted to you our uh, Los Angeles church plant. Over the course of the last few years, we've had the privilege and the opportunity to help partner with 15 different church plants around the, uh, the world. And so um, the hope offering also does local outreach initiatives as well. And then campus development. I told you a big crazy number uh, a couple of weeks ago that the city has asked us to pave the parking lot, do the lights, uh, redo the lights, redo some electrical. And I gave you estimate of like up to $400,000. That's a light estimate. Um, And so we're going to have to be revisiting that. But we've opened up that campus development fund. And that's really, really important that this church um, is going to have to move towards that. Um, but I said to you, hey, let's, let's delay that as long as possible, um, you know, and let's meet some immediate needs first. And I talked to you about um, $8,500 of immediate campus needs um, above and beyond your regular giving. And just to help us get the, the church campus up and ready for grand opening, we've been in the buildings 14, 15 weeks. So vi- this is all really, really new for us. We're, we're used to the movie theaters now we have a nine-acre campus, and we're trying to figure all this stuff out. $8,500 of additional needs uh, for the campus. 100% of that came in, so I want to say thank you very much. All of you guys celebrate that. All of that came in, and then I gave you another big number. I said, hey, guys, it'd be my heart is if we could get sixteen dollars to $18,000 for uh, kids' playgrounds. I want to show you the pictures. This is a little playground. That's for the, the little uh, peewees, the little kiddos. 
and I got a little six-year-old. This would be for little Maya and all your little Mayas and all our little, um, you know, Matthews. So this would be for the kids. It'd go right there in the front of North Valley Kids in that little courtyard area. Um, and then uh, this thing is not cheap, though. I mean, like, this is like five grand alone, and that doesn't even include shipping. And it also means that we also have to install it ourselves. So if you're a handyman, join us. We're going to, um, once we get the funds raised, then we'll be able to, to do that. And then there's another playground. This would be for upper elementary. We put this in the back. The cool thing about this one, this one's located in a Phoenix warehouse. We don't have to pay any shipping for it. And we could get it installed. And that would go right in the back of North Valley Kids for upper elementary, ages like 5 to 12. And so we'd get some distance on that thing. It'd be a lot of fun. So the total on that is like $18,000. Um, and so here's the good news. Um, somebody stepped forward today and just said, hey, I want to give $1,000 towards that. So now we're at $7,300 for our playgrounds. So let's celebrate that. Yeah. So uh, I heard a story about a little kid who said, oh, I, he saw pictures of the playgrounds and he said, mama, mama, take me home. And he went and grabbed his wallet and he held up his wallet and he said, on Sunday, I'm bringing all my money for those playgrounds. I'm going to waste all my money. <laughs> and I was like, okay, we need to teach him like invest your money. You know, it's not wasting it. But for him, he just, he's mean, I'm going all out. Uh, my wife and I, uh, we gave a very large gift. Anytime we do these kind of initiatives, I just believe like when we're in it, the church is going to be in it. And so we're in it with you. We got kids. Um, I rem uh, it's a cool story real quick. To a couple, double income, no kids, couple in our church, married couple. Um, they gave like 2,000 bucks towards these playgrounds. They don't even got kids. But they see the value and the vision of making sure we've got a place that we can call home at North Valley. And it's a fun place to be. Um, so I want to encourage you towards that. If you want to make a contribution towards that, that's campus development. We'll build those when we've got the funds to do it. And so um, um, it would be great if we could get them going for campus uh, for grand opening. That'll, and they take about four to five weeks from the day we order it. And if some of you can uh, contribute towards that, we'd love to build some playgrounds. And if it takes a long time, I'm be bringing some kids out on the front and asking you. They'll be asking you for those playgrounds. So um, we're excited about all that God's doing. So that's enough. I want to invite uh, Bill Yarger. Uh, he is a beloved church member of our church. And when we, when we were in the teaching, when we were uh, about week two in the teaching series of Acts called Barriers, we talked about one of the barriers of the church has been, it's just growth. The church has grown over 100 people in the last 12 months. And it's presented a new level of needs where we just can't minister to everybody's needs. And we saw in Acts chapter 6 where they appointed a number of people to serve with them. And as a result, when they appointed people to serve and help minister to the needs, the Bible says, and the word of God continued to increase and the number of disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem. And so what we, what we are doing this week is we're highlighting Bill, you've got a team that we've put together, really the church has, but tell us a little bit about the CARES ministry that we'll be doing, kicking off today. Great. Before I do that, I just want to say um, I've been coming to the church since October, and I love this church. I'm so grateful to be here. And when Ryan asked me to be a part of the CARES ministry, it's right up my alley. It's what I love to do. And uh, so let me tell you what we're about. Uh, our purpose as a CARES ministry team is to uh, support and assist the pastors and the neighborhood group leaders in caring for the needs of uh, the family here at North Valley. 
And uh, the way we're going to be doing that is to initiate, start a whole bunch of different ministries. And I want to just share some of the ministries that we've been talking about. We've met one time, and here are some of the ministries we've been talking about as a CARES ministry team. Uh, Counseling ministry, visitation ministry, a serving ministry to help with things like practical needs of uh, car repair and home repair, Uh, mercy ministry, meals ministry, uh, a support to foster care and adoptive care families, uh, ministry to help people who are not connected within our church to get connected. And we've been dreaming about lots of other possibilities too, but those are just some of them. If you are interested in being involved with the caring ministry and you're interested in any of those, those ministries or other ministries, I want to encourage you to sign a Connect card, put your name down, and we'll be in touch with you in the next few weeks. Um, John 13.35 says, By this shall all men know that you are my followers and that you have love for one another. We as a caring ministry team want to be known, want our church to be known for our love for one another. We want people in our community here in the North Valley to see how we love one another here in the church, but also out there in the community. We want them to see how we love one another and then how that love spills out for them in the community. And we want them to to see our love for one another and say, boy, their God must be amazing. And we want you to invite you to pray with us to that end. And we want you to plug in with us. And we want you to, to love us, love one another within the body and see what God does, as he did in the book of Acts. Now I want to invite our team to come up. We've got a phenomenal team. Um, as Ryan said, these people didn't volunteer. You volunteered them. Good job, be a part church. Of this team. You did a good job on volunteer, or nominating them. And, so and let's get them up. Where yeah, we're they? going to invite them to come, come up. Let, up. Me, let me give you their names. Wes and Nancy Austin, Sarah Beekman, Justin Dawson, Matt and Carrie Ann Hansen, Craig Nelson, Gavin and Valerie Robinson, Robertson. We're going to invite them to come up here on the platform. This is a good-looking good group of guys and gals. You guys did well in picking these folks. All right. We're, I forgot. Hey, I just want to say thank you guys, each and every single one of you. Bill has been awesome in this process. It's really cool to see us uh, work with him. And just you guys nominated these folks. You're going to see this team, and we're so thankful for them. So I want to invite them. I'm invited them up uh, with Bill, and we're just going to pray and commission this team together. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for uh, Bill and this team. Uh, this ministry, Lord, that really shares and shows the love of Jesus Christ in a real tangible way. Thank you for the problem of growth that we're having. But God, now we, we move forward in a great courageous level of confidence at, uh, in empowering a new level of leaders to minister within North Valley in the church and beyond. We thank you to Christ be the glory in the North Valley. In Jesus' name, everybody said, Amen. Amen. Let's give another round of applause. Well, good morning, North Valley Church. How are we? Woo! It's all right. You can do that in church. Hey, my name is Jonathan. I serve as the executive pastor here at North Valley, and it's a privilege to be with you today. 
We uh, uh, have been in the book of Acts, and so we're wrapping up the series. And so I have the joy and privilege of just kind of recapping what we've already learned. But what we don't want to do is learn something wonderful and stick it in our minds and walk out from this place and forget that it even has anything to do with our life. And so today is really about remembering what we've learned so that as we move out from here today, the next few days and weeks and months, our lives look a little bit different. So last summer, we picked up the book of Acts and started in chapter 1 and went, went for a, a, through 1 through chapter 4. And then this summer, we picked up in chapter 5 and we made it through chapter 11. So we're just working through it. But what I wanted to do today was actually reach back to the first chapters of Acts just to remind us of the context where we are. And then we'll be walking through the, we saw six barriers that we're going to talk about, barriers that are holding us back in our faith. And so in the book of Acts, what we see is we see mission. The church of Jesus Christ has a mission to be about. Those who who call upon the name of Jesus and say he's our Lord and Savior, we have a mission. And so we want to be reminded what that mission is. And then as the mission unfolds, we see barriers just slamming the people of God, slamming the church. And the question is, is that going to subdue the the mission that's been started? And what we see is that no, it, it, it doesn't at all. In fact, the church multiplies and grows. And so we'll talk about mission, barriers, and growth. I want to point out the growth that happens. So turn with me, if you will, to Acts chapter 1. If you've got a phone, uh, a tablet, break that out. Let's get in the Word of God this morning. Acts chapter 1, we're going to look at verse 8. And it says this, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. That's the mission. The mission is to be witnesses to the person of Jesus Christ, the promised Messiah, to all peoples. This mission isn't new. It didn't start in Acts chapter 1 verse 8. It started hundreds, even thousands of years ago. When Jesus was talking with his disciples at another point, um, He's talking to them about what they should be about. And it's what we talk here as North Valley. We say it's the Great Commission. It's the charge that we should be making disciples and baptizing people in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. But you know, the mission didn't even start then. The mission started long before then. If we were to turn back to the book of Genesis, the very beginning of your Bibles, we would hear that mission started. And it sounded something like this. After God had created the world, he found a person by the name of Abram, later to be renamed Abraham. And he said, Abraham, I want to do something special with you. I'm going to start an entire people group from you. You're going to be the father. And this people group is going to be really special to me because they, I'm going to bless them incredibly. They're going to have favor beyond all other peoples in the world. Because I want them to be a light to all the other people in the world so that they know that I am the one true God. And so Abram, you and your people are going to be a light. A light shines. A light is bearing testimony. It's a witness to the God of the universe. So it starts all the way with Abraham in the Old Testament. And the trajectory is set. And we pick it back up in Acts chapter 1. It's still going on where Jesus is talking to his disciples before he ascends back to heaven. He says, I want you guys to be my witnesses. This is your mission. And that is the beginning of the church. That is the beginning of us. 
where we, the church, are witnesses of Jesus Christ. And so that's the mission. Very quickly, we begin to see barriers. What is a barrier? We started this message series with a barrier being anything that holds us back from growing and experiencing the courageous, joy-filled, spirit-led life that God plans for us in Jesus Christ. A barrier is something that blocks, subdues, withholds, keeps things from growing. And as these barriers come, kind of the question mark before us is, well, what is going to happen? Is, is the church going to be subdued? Are the followers of Jesus Christ, those 12 disciples, are they going to be the witnesses of Jesus Christ? Or are they going to be overcome by these barriers? Are they going to go into hiding? And the testimony of Jesus Christ is going to become lost and silent. That's not what we see at all. As we walked through six barriers, we saw that those barriers led to amazing growth. So let's walk through and remind ourselves of these barriers. We started with number one out of Acts chapter 5. Turn with me there if you will. Acts chapter 5, we talked about the barrier of greed. And the charge that we had as a church family today was to, to practice generosity and not be greedy. So as the story goes, Luke the writer, he sets up these two kind of parallel stories. The church was forming, the word of God was going forth, and disciples were being made and baptized. And the church was experiencing great unity. They were gathering together and they were as a family, just like a biological family, they were taking care of each other. So if somebody didn't have enough income that week to maybe go buy some food, the church family provided some food for that family within their family. Or if somebody needed something um, or they needed help doing something, they, they came alongside each other and said, hey, we're all going to help each other out. We're going to take care of each other. And in the midst of that, we're told this story of this one gentleman who has some land. So he goes and he sells the land and he gets the financial um, earnings from selling that land and he brings it to the church leaders and says, hey, here's some money. Use it amongst the church family for those who are in need. And juxtaposed next to that is another story of a couple that likewise has land. And so they go and they sell their land and they receive the earnings from the sale of that land and Greed sets into their heart, and so they bring the money, but not all of it. They bring some of it to the church leaders and say, hey, here's some money. We sold this land, and this is what we got for it. The problem was that they said, hey, this is all the earnings we made from selling that land, but in fact, they'd actually withheld some back because their heart was greedy. And so those two stories, those two examples juxtaposed next to each other teach us that greed cannot characterize the church because that would be saying that the, the character of Jesus Christ is one of greed. But that's not what we see at all, right? Remember, Jesus, the Son of God, left his position of power and rule and authority and came down to earth so that he might give his life as a ransom. He, he gave his entire life, everything. What an example of generosity. So he gives his life as a ransom. That's what should characterize the church. And so Peter, one of the church leaders, opposes that and addresses that and says, guys, greed has no place in the church of Jesus Christ. So greed, the first barrier, but what, what happens with that? Does, that? does that derail the church? Does it go into mayhem with people quarreling and fighting? Not at all. Look, look with me at Acts chapter 5, verse 14. After greed has been addressed, this is what we read. And more than ever... Believers were added to the Lord, multitudes of both men and women. When the barrier of greed is addressed, 
the church multiplies and grows. The second barrier, organizational barrier that we just were talking about, the CARES team. The early church found themselves with this problem. It was growing, which is a great, a great thing, but they began to have some problems because as they're trying to care for each other, there were some needs amongst the family that weren't being met, most likely just because it was being overlooked. But see, even an overlooking isn't sufficient to be the characterizing mark of the church of Jesus Christ. And so there were some within the church that were saying, hey, our needs aren't being met. And the, and the leaders of the church came together and said, that can't be because we care for our family. Let's, let's figure out how do we help take care of this. Organizationally, we need to do something a little bit different. And so they said, let's nominate those that would be full of the Holy Spirit to help us take care of the needs within the body because we need to continue to preach the Word of God and meet the needs of the church family. And so they organized just like we're doing. Actually, we're doing just like they did. Organizing men and women that would lead within the church to say, let's make sure our needs are met. And so they worked to overcome this organizational barrier. And look with me at Acts chapter 6, verse 7. As they address this organizational barrier. This is what we read the resulting outcome is. And the word of God continued to increase. And the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem. And a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. Multiplication. The church is growing. The barrier is being overcome. So then we go to our third barrier, persecution. Acts chapter 6 and 7. So Stephen, we read the story of Stephen, one of those who was nominated to help provide and, and, and be a leader of caring within the church. He's out and he's testifying. He's being a witness. As a quick aside, notice that Stephen, though he was asked to help care for the needs within the church, his primary role is to be a witness, as are all followers of Jesus Christ. So he's being a witness. And there's a group of people that, within the city that rise up against him because they don't want to hear about Jesus. They don't, they don't want to listen to this anymore. So they pick up stones and they say, Stephen, your life is at stake here. Because they don't like what they hear. And so they stone Stephen. Stephen gives his life for the church. That's how devoted he is. And you would think that that's a barrier. Friends, if we start losing our life, that's a barrier. That's a detraction, a subtraction. The church is getting smaller, right? No. No, not at all. Look at Acts chapter 4. As Stephen is stoned, he gives his life. And, and the believers, those who are following Jesus, are persecuted. It says this, Now those who were scattered went about hiding in foxholes. No, I'm sorry, I misread that. Those that were scattered were silent in their homes. No. It says, Now those who were scattered went about preaching the word. They didn't get silent. They didn't go mute. They didn't run and hide and hope that this might just be a wave that passes and then they'll be able to come out and talk about Jesus again. In the midst of persecution, and this isn't just like, oh, I need to leave this school or I need to leave this job. This is your, your house. You've got to leave your house. You're leaving your family. You're leaving your friends. You're going into countries and areas that you don't know anything about. You're fleeing for your own life, but you don't go silently. You preach the word of God. Then we pick up a story about Philip in Acts chapter 8, the barrier of evangelism. Are we going to be silent or are we going to speak and be witnesses? And so we read about Philip and, and Philip 
is told, go down here. And he meets this Ethiopian that's on a journey. And the Ethiopian is reading the word of God and has questions. He doesn't understand it. And Philip says, hey, I know a thing or two about that. So Philip witnesses to the Ethiopian. He tells the Ethiopian about Jesus Christ. So he overcomes the barrier of evangelism or fear of evangelism. And he says, no, I'm going to talk about Jesus. I'm going to share the story that I know. And he does. And look at what happens in Acts chapter 8, verse 38. The, the Ethiopian, and he commanded the chariot to stop. And they both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. So Philip is telling this Ethiopian about Jesus. And the Ethiopian says, well, why shouldn't I be baptized? And Philip says, well, let's do it. So the Ethiopian hears the truth about Jesus Christ, believes in Jesus Christ, and, and Philip says, let's go get baptized right now. So do you see what Luke, the author, is doing? Is he's setting up these, we're getting these multiplication events. The church is overcoming barriers and it's exploding. But lest we be disassociated from that and think, well, that's for another group at another time. Luke gives us very personal, individual stories about Philip who meets an Ethiopian who's on a journey to a certain place, is reading the word of God and needs somebody to explain it to him. I can identify with that. I've met people who wonder about Jesus and they need somebody to explain it to them. And in the moment, that individual's life is transformed for eternity because Philip, Overcame the fear of evangelism. Well, what if the Ethiopian doesn't want to hear? And what we learned was Pastor Ryan encouraged us is most people are open to hearing about Jesus. Most people are searching for something. So let's not be silent. Barrier number five, change. Out of Acts chapter nine, turn with me there. So there's this great persecution that is broken out against Jesus' disciples and those who are joining the family of faith. And at the helm of it is this guy named Saul. Saul's a formidable character, giving approval to the stoning of Stephen, taking the life of a man because of what he says. And Saul is sending people, and he himself are going into the homes and dragging out Christians and taking them to prison because what they're saying just can't be true. And it's disastrous. And so in the midst of this great persecution, Saul's at the helm of it, and then, boom! One day, Jesus comes to Saul, where Saul meets him on the road, and his, he's knocked down, and his life is transformed. Because Jesus says, you won't persecute my church anymore. The interesting thing on that is, think about it from the church's perspective. You believe in Jesus Christ, and this, you hear about this character that's going around, and and doing disastrous things, stoning people, taking people out of their homes, putting them in prison. And then you hear that he's coming to your church. What do you do? I won't ask you to answer. I'll tell you what I'm doing. I'm locking those doors. Double it down. Stake in the ground. I don't want him around because I'm skeptical. I hear there's a change, but honestly, the damage that he's done... Can it ever be undone? And the church is faced with this barrier. Paul, or Saul, renamed Paul, goes on to be one of the most prolific missionary evangelists that the New Testament tells us about. 
Imagine if the church didn't accept that change. Imagine if the church resisted what was going on because they were too scared. The barrier of change. Are we willing to accept that? Look at what happens in Acts chapter 9, verse 31. The church actually embraces Saul, renamed Paul. Embraces him so much that they actually work to preserve his life. The very one that was taking away lives from within the church, the church turns around and saves that life. And in Acts chapter 9, verse 31, we read, So the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria had peace. Persecution to peace. Instability to stability. Had peace and was being built up. And walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, it multiplied. And the last barrier that we looked at was diversity out of Acts chapters 10 and 11. This one is a, it's, it's challenging for us to understand this diversity that, that was going on at the time. See, the people of Israel, the Jewish people group, were raised from a young age to say, you are a special people. You are set apart. And so you have nothing to do with other people groups called the Gentiles. And when I say have nothing to do, meaning if you're a kid, you don't play with those other people. As you're getting older, you, de- you don't marry anybody from that people group. When you're in business, you don't even do business with them. They're crooked, evil, wicked. Don't even do business with them. And the apostle Peter, in a vision, is told, go into the home of one of those other peoples. Go into the home of Cornelius. Not just some random person, a person with a name, a real character, Cornelius. Go into his home. What? You, you want me to go there? No, no, that can't be right. We don't do that sort of thing. That's not what we do. See, we do this, God. Remember, I have all the Old Testament. You said, Abraham, you're a special people group. I'm going to set you apart. You're a light, a witness. Oh, wait, I'm a witness to them. Well, they can kind of see it from afar. I don't have to get close to him. (laughs) No, Peter, go. Go into his home. So Peter goes into the home of Cornelius, a Gentile. It's tough for us to understand. But we do understand some diversity. We understand racial tensions and the need for racial reconciliation. The need for accepting those that aren't like us. So Peter goes in and this is his reaction, Acts chapter 11, verse 17. If then God gave the same gift to them, being the Gentiles, as he gave to us, the Jews, when we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I that I could stand in God's way? Who was I that I could stand in God's way? See, God was doing something radically different than than Peter ever dreamed. Peter couldn't understand it. God, what are you doing? This is not what I grew up being taught. This is not what I conceived you were doing. Who was I that I could stand in God's way? And so the Holy Spirit, the gift of God, that in Acts is the mark of those who truly believe in Jesus. It's earmarked by the presence of the Holy Spirit coming upon those people. Came upon a Gentile family. And Peter says, I don't know. I don't know. 
Peter has to go back to the church and answer, I don't know what's going on. But the barrier of diversity is overcome and salvation, eternal destiny for that centurion Cornelius and his family is changed. So what do we learn from this? These six barriers, what, are we, what do we learn that's going on? First point, God's plan includes you. You see, what Luke is doing here is he's relating these stories. It's not just this abstract fairy tale story for some people at some time. It's for the church. Jesus Christ begins the church. We are part of this trajectory of believers who follow Jesus Christ. And so as we're reading these, we should be identifying with what's going on, going, God's using not just the disciples, the appointed ones that spent years with him. He begins using other people. We see Stephen, we see Philip going into uh, sharing, being witnesses about Jesus Christ, traveling around. Those are the ones, many more that we know by name, but we see that those who profess faith in Jesus Christ are being used by him in in multiplying different areas. So God's plan includes you and it includes me. As we're reading these stories, you know there's two types of people. If you haven't pictured it out, I think you probably have. I want to put some labels, some some characteristics to these two types of people. The first type of person is stagnant, timid, fear-filled, self-led. These are the ones that can't come to grips with what's going on. Saul, ravaging the church, throwing people in prison. He is a man full of fear because something is bringing instability to his worldview and he can't handle his worldview being shattered or changed. And so fear fills his heart and he attacks. The group that was before Stephen, as Stephen is relating and connecting the Old Testament to the New Testament in this promised Messiah, Jesus. They don't want to hear it. They cover their ears. Their worldview is being jumbled up, becoming unstable, and they can't handle that. They don't want that. And so fear fills them. And they say, no, we know. We're leading this thing. This is my life. Don't mess with my life. I kind of like it. I think we can all identify with that. I like my life. I don't like it when people want to disrupt my rhythms, when people want to say that the way I think and believe may not be correct. But there's a type two person as well. This is a growing person. This is a person that's courageous, joy-filled, led by the Holy Spirit. These are the Peters, the Stevens, the Phillips. These aren't the superheroes that are invincible Peter didn't understand what God was doing, go down to Cornelius' house. But these were people that were growing. They were changing. They were courageous. When you have to step out and do something that nobody else has done, when you have to say, something's changing here and I'm going to embrace that, that's courageous. A cares team ministry, even as we're facing this change and growth within our church and we're nominating leaders to stand up here. These are courageous people. There's no protocol for what we're doing except to follow Jesus and love people. That takes courage. Philip, to talk to an Ethiopian 
Peter to go into the house of Cornelius. That's courageous. Here's the second point that we learn. God's plan is unstoppable. Persecution breaks out. People are dying. The church should be crumbling and fleeing into hiding and being silent. But God's plan is unstoppable. It grows. It multiplies. The church is thriving. In the midst of persecution, in the midst of all of these barriers, we continually read this summary that says the church shared what they had, loved each other, and was multiplied. Disciples were added. People were baptized. God's plan is unstoppable. Peter Peter says, Who am I that I could stand in God's way? I found a, a very encouraging and challenging video that Business Insider put together that highlights the growth of Christianity from the very early days of Jesus Christ all the way until present day. And so watch this video as we see Christianity expand. Wow. God's plan is unstoppable. It's like a virus that infects everything. It reaches into areas that you don't want it to reach into. But do you know how? God's plan is unstoppable because it uses you and me. It uses type 2 people that are courageous to do things, to accept change, to move across diversity barriers. Courageous, joy-filled people led by the Holy Spirit, not led by their own desires and priorities in life. And so I want to wrap up with this. Moving from a barrier to growth, there's a space in between. There's a space in between. What is it that helps us move from barriers to growth? See, there's barriers that are, that are uh, corporate, organizational barriers. 
There's individual barriers that we all face. And so I believe there's a, there's a key for us to move from a barrier to growth. And here's what it is. Cooperate with God. Cooperate with God. You see, God's plan is moving. But the question is, are you a type one person that covers your ears and doesn't want to hear about God's plan or join God's plan? Or are you a type two person that's courageous and bold and joy-filled and spirit-led that says, I'm going to cooperate with that even if I don't understand what's going on. Even if, I, even if it completely bashes my worldview, I'm going to cooperate with what God is doing. And here's how we cooperate with God. Be confident in His promises. You see, Peter, the apostles, they didn't even really get what God was doing, but what they remembered was that God had made promises and was fulfilling them faithfully throughout the ages. And so Jesus says, you don't worry so much about the kingdom of God and what's going on right now, but here's what you do worry about. You be my witness. You give testimony to the things you've seen and heard, and I'll take care of the rest. Be confident in his promises. And when those promises and when the, the, the reality of what's going on in your life is just not lining up, you yield to his will. Because God has a plan that he's carrying out. Our role is to yield to that, not to try to drive it. Not to section your life off and say, no, God, this is mine. I'm doing quite well. The disciples embrace that. They yield to the will of God and say, we're going to go with him on this. Obey his word. If you look at the story after story that we've been talking, talking about, read back through them. The type two person obeys. The type two person sees what God is doing, holds fast to his promises, yields to his will, and obeys his word. And finally, depend on the Holy Spirit. The mark of the presence of God's word taking root in a people group is the Holy Spirit. And so, church family, as we depend upon the Holy Spirit, multiplication will happen. Disciples will be made. People will be baptized. The kingdom of God will be filled. Eternal destinies will be transformed as we depend upon the Holy Spirit. Friends, I pray that God is doing something really cool in your life. I suspect He is. And I suspect you probably feel a little tension. Because the tension is, are you going to be a type one, stagnant, fear-filled, self-led person that's timid? Or will you be a type two, courageous, joy-filled, spirit-led person? Oh, let us be a church of type two people. Oh, let us be bold and courageous. What's your next step? Where do you need to cooperate more with God in your life? It might be in giving. It might be in serving. It might be in embracing change. It might be in speaking as a witness. Where would God have you cooperate more with his will? Thank you for listening. To become a supporter of North Valley Community Church, give online today at northvalleychurch.org.